Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here as always from the Santa Monica Studios and we are all the way live down in Melbourne. The Australian Open 2022 edition is underway. Lots to discuss on this podcast. I'll be speaking with Danella Hantakova, former top five player, current tennis commentator, podcast host, and golfer. Big golf fanatic as well. We break down all things uh, Australian Open on the women's side. Her thoughts on Emirata Kanye bouncing back with a win over Sloan Stevens. Ashley Barty with the weight of the country on her shoulders. Naomi Osaka hitting the ball as clean as ever. Annie Samova looking good. The floaters out there. Halep, Sakari. A lot of names to discuss with Danella Hantakova. And then I talked to Yahoo Sportsbook betting analyst, Pamela Maldonado, another reoccurring guest on this show. She breaks down all the betting tidbits, strategies, insights. We look at the men's draw, the rise of Carlos Alcaraz. She's a huge fan. We break him down. Corda was in a battle last night. Medvedev is the favorite. Rafa's still out there. Zverev looking for his first slam. Lots of breakdown in the Australian Open with Pamela Maldonado and Danella Hantakova. Here on Tennis Channel Inside In, let's start the show. All right, welcome to Tennis Channel Inside In. Now joining us uh, via Zoom, of course, it's Daniela Hantakova, second time on the show, so now she's an official reoccurring guest. Uh, you know her as a tennis commentator, seven titles, a top five ranking, working for Amazon Prime, the Real DNA podcast, known as Downtown Danny Online. I'm getting out of breath listing all of her stuff, but uh, Daniela Hantakova, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, it's great to be back. <laughs> hey, before. Before we get to the tennis, I do have to ask you something. We spoke last year in the summertime. There was a lot of tennis going on, but you said something in that show about one of your hobbies and then looking at what was going on in September, you actually golfed in the BMW uh, PGA Pro-Am in London. I mean, we had Patrick Harrington, former major champion, Spider-Man, Tom Holland was there. How was that experience? How'd you do? And uh, how much do you just love golfing? Oh my, you know, it's a big, big passion of mine. And uh, yeah, that's right. It was such a cool experience. And uh, I have to say, I was crazy nervous the morning of of, uh, of that Pro-Am and, you know, just having that big crowd, I think it was, you know, a couple thousands of people. I don't know, last time I had that, so I'm <laughs> so not used to it anymore. So uh, on my first uh, tee shot, yeah, I was, uh, it, it was, it was quite something. It kind of reminded me how I felt before the matches. So wow, it, it was yeah. nice to have that feeling. And I, Never thought I would get it back, uh, even though it was a different sport. It, it felt nice to to have those butterflies in my stomach. So no, it was cool. And as you know, um, you know, ever since I picked up golf, especially the last I would say year or so, it has become you know quite quite something that I, if I can, if I could, I would I would probably play almost every day. Wow. Wow. So uh, that's interesting too. And it's fun. It's funny to hear that the athlete and you kicked in, like you started to get competitive and you started to really get, get after <laughs> no, it. Even like the night before, <laughs> yeah. you know, I got my dress ready and I was thinking <laughs> what I'm going to have for breakfast. And I'm like, oh, Danny, stop it. Like you're not a professional anymore. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, did you, uh, uh, do you consider yourself now more like, I guess more of a golfer, like you accomplished so much in your tennis career, but do you, at this point in your life, you're like, I'm, I'm more of a golfer now. Oh, 100 okay. percent. I mean, like the ratio between how much I play golf and how much I play tennis, it's I mean, <laughs> it doesn't even come close. So okay. it just feels like, um, you know, the whole tennis career, it feels like miles, miles away. And mm -hmm. uh, and I guess, you know, I feel so blessed that I found um, so much joy in, in other sport. I, you know, I never saw this coming. So it's, it's really cool to have that in life. For sure. We got to set up set up that challenge with you and Ash Barty, though. Because I know that's, oh, yes. that's yes, I hope hopefully, yeah, hopefully <laughs> soon. You know, it's uh, I've been practicing from day one of this new year, so I'm I'm up for it for that's, sure. That's the showdown we need. Uh, transitioning now to tennis, Aussie Open 2022 underway. Already 
no shortage of drama. It definitely feels good to be finally focusing on the matches and the tennis. And the atmosphere itself, though a little tempered with some crowd limitations, you start to get the sense that in Australia it is a little different. The atmosphere can be a little rowdy. And the other thing to note, too, Danny, that we're seeing is that the atmosphere itself, the wind, the conditions, plays an impact to a lot of these matches. And, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for some of these tennis players to overcome the elements in addition to the crowd and the player that they're facing. Yeah, I always thought, you know, having to face so many different conditions, it's probably one of the most challenging tournaments we have because, you know, you can go from super crazy hot to windy, cold and uh, you know, you, it seems like sometimes you have four seasons in one. So it's something that maybe we don't talk about too enough, um, how that can affect, um, you know, the matchups and and all of that, uh, plus plus the crowd. It's been it's been huge um, not having not having it to the full capacity. But, you know, having gone through everything the players had to the last two years, I think even if there are two people sitting in the crowd, they, they take that <laughs> yeah. because this makes all the different difference in the world. And um, I think what these times has taught us how how much it's a cliche, but how much the fans make make the sport. Without them, you know, it we would we wouldn't be talking, players wouldn't be playing. So it's really about the fans making the sport. Yeah, they make the sport. They make tournaments, and they definitely make this tournament like more than just about anyone. Yeah, exactly. uh, a lot of different players to to get your thoughts on early starting. So there were some great matches out of the get go. I want to start with the match from a couple of days ago. Full disclosure: we're recording this on a Wednesday. It'll be up on Thursday. But the the round one win for Emma Raducanu over Sloane Stephens. There was a lot of hype in that. Two of our recent U.S. Open champions, Emma, who had won the major championship, came seemingly out of nowhere, an unbelievable start, went through the ups and downs, you know, got a bit of a losing streak. But for her to get that win over a very game, very dangerous Sloan Stevens player, how important do you think that's going to be for her to maybe right the ship and, and get some of that confidence back beating such a good player? Yeah, I thought that was huge for Emma, especially that first set, how she, you know, got off to a you know, playing such incredible tennis after a disappointing loss the week before. It just shows mentally how strong she is. And and I love her approach. You know, she's not putting too much pressure on her shoulders, even though everyone from the outside does that. It's important that she keeps having the same perspective that she, she has that, you know, this is going to be her fir- first full year on tour. And that even though she's a U.S. Open champion, uh, we still have to remember, you know, she's played so many so very few tournaments so I thought mentally she's already showing uh, how tough she is and um, yeah I mean playing against Sloan you just never know what you're gonna get when Sloan is on you're facing one of the best players uh, we have so she was she did really well after that second set to bounce back and kind of go back to what she's done um, great in the first set changing up the rhythm throwing in some higher balls I thought that was very smart and yeah you know, she just showed such a maturity. And I think that's what with her, we keep forgetting how how short she's been on the tour and uh, what she's able to achieve already. Yeah, she got beat very badly by Rabakina last week. Um, then immediately it was like, I'm fine. I'm going to you know work on my game. And just as a former pro, how tough is that to, you know, you take it on the chin early in a tournament to just go back out right to the practice court, whether it's the same day or the next day. It's got to be difficult to just dive back in, regardless of how good or how much you've accomplished. Yeah, that's where I was very impressed when I saw her right uh, after the match on back on the practice court doing some drills with, you know, she's got one of the greatest coaches we have, Torben, and, uh, and you know, he's showing her that only with the hard work she can get that confidence within herself. But yes, it's never easy, especially when you have a loss. Mentally, to get that out of your system, it takes a few days. And when you have a grand slam... <laughs> Right behind the corner, that's where I'm sure um, the coach and everyone on the team must have done a, a lot of mental work to kind of, you know, forget that and basically start the season from Melbourne. What do you think her season's going to be like this year? I, I think, you know, it, it's so fascinating because she might take a step down. She needs to gain this experience. We could be years away from seeing anything close to what peak the best version of Emirata Kanye is. What do you think 2022 has in store for her? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know, when I saw her in US Open, I thought, okay, we've got we've got a proper star here. 
but then you know understanding how big of a deal that was in the uk and what she had to face from the media side and and the pressure of that i can't even imagine how uh, much she has to handle um you know outside of the court so it's so so important the people that she surround herself with that she takes advice from from people that genuinely care for her and understand what she's going through as far as her ability you know she's an incredible athlete she's got that fighting spirit like not too many uh women tennis players i've seen um technically she's the full package already so with emma it's i think it can be either incredible year already and i wouldn't be surprised if she wins another slam but it can be also a, a year where you know she's not gonna have too many great results so it's you know, like we've seen with the women's third the last couple of years, it's just so hard to predict yeah. anything. <laughs> well, that's a great segue for it. I mean, we're looking at a, a an Australian Open where, again, take your pick of the litter. There's a lot of can- there's a lot of contenders. It wouldn't surprise many to see 20, 30 so names on your list. Do you appreciate, do you enjoy the fact that it's so wide open? Would you like to maybe see some concentration at the top? We, we might get that this year with the Bardis and the Osakas and whatnot, but what do you think about the current state of how just wide open it is? I, I do appreciate the fact that the field is so open and, and the, the overall strength of, of women's tennis is incredible. I mean, pretty much any, anyone from top 200 can win any event. Yeah. But I think it would be cool to have maybe, you know, two, three amazing players on top of the game that you know they're going to make the semis every single, at least the semis every single tournament. Then, you know, we have the consistency, we have the rivalry and, and we can just, um, you know, always talk about those two, three big names. Yeah, and we might see that, as I mentioned, uh, Ash Barty comes into this, the favorite, you know, has a couple of grand slams to her name, is trying to break the streak of being the first Australian woman in, in about 40 years or so to win the home slam. We talked about her a lot last time. You mentioned just, you know, how genuine, how normal she is. Uh, she's looked great. I mean, there's nothing else she can do in the first two rounds. But do you think she'll be able to handle the pressure as it goes on and on of winning this one in front of the home faithful that they're just so thirsty. They're salivating for someone from their home country to win. Yeah, I do hope so for her very, very much because like you said, she's such a wonderful, um, well, I can't see girl anymore. I'm still <laughs> used to thinking of Ash as, uh, as the 11 year old that I saw first time in Brisbane. Um, you know, she's such a lovely woman and she's done so much for Australian tennis. And I think the nerves and the pressure she's not going to feel in the first week. It's more in the quarter semis, eventually when she gets to the finals, where obviously that pressure of the entire nation will be on her shoulders. That's where, you know, Emma had that advantage that she was just flying through because, you know, it was not her slam, you know, playing in front of the UK crowd. So that can be exhausting, not only mentally, but physically, um, you know, carrying that pressure. It might take a lot out of her system. So I think uh, with Ash will be about how well she can recover and get through the tournament physically, not getting tired uh, because it's going to get very emotional the further she gets into the tournament. But, you know, she's won slams before. She knows what it takes. It's just so different to do it in front of Mm -hmm. her home crowd. Camilla Georgie up next, a very dangerous player. And then it's... Annie Samova or Osaka. So here we go. We're ramping up now. Um, And and I do want to mention, you know, Naomi Osaka is the defending champion. We didn't know when we were going to see her again after the U.S. Open. She comes back. She's refreshed. She's hit the reset button. And she looks great. She's hitting it as clean as she hit it here last year. So I don't... It's so funny because regardless of what the atmosphere is like, the ups and downs, I still think that when Naomi's striking the ball like she is, that she's the best player, that her ceiling is the highest of all these women on tour. Yeah, I agree. Uh, when she strikes the ball the way she can, she's the cleanest, I, I guess the hardest um, hitting player out there. And it's it's really hard to stop her. She knows what it takes to win in Melbourne. And like you said, she's refreshed. I'm sure she has so much more appreciation for the game. She's hungry. So um, to me, she's definitely one of the favorites, if not, if not the biggest one. And she looks great and um, she's timing the ball incredibly well and that's one of the things at least to me it always felt like that playing on Rod Laver it just gives you such a nice pace and yeah. rhythm that no matter how bad I was playing the week before or even on the outside courts like for some reason I would get 
to that arena and you just feel the ball so much better. And uh, definitely Naomi has that yeah. feeling as well when she steps out there. Was that 2008 for you? Was that, was that how you felt during 2008 during that run to the semis? Yeah, for set and a half. <laughs> yeah. And the first set was great. Couldn't have played any better in the first set against Ivanovic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, it, it, it was almost too good to be true. I felt like I couldn't miss a ball and then I just got scared and panicked. But mm. yes, um, but there's been even the years before when I played Serena out there, night session, and even even the matches I've lost, I just um, always felt felt really go good as far as timing and uh, yeah, some of the best matches I think I played over there. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Danella Hantakova here on Tennis Channel Inside In uh, as we continue talking about the 2022 Australian Open, the uh, women's draw heating up. Osaka's next match, speaking about not getting any easier for her, Amanda Andy Samova, who handled Belinda Bencic in straight sets. Andy Samova ended 2021 on a down note, was lacking confidence, wasn't right health-wise. She's healthy. She won a tournament down there. She's working with Darren Cahill, hasn't lost a match. This is nice to see because this is remnants of the Annie Samova that made the semifinals at Roland Garros that hits the ball hard. It definitely, I would say, a top five ball striker probably on tour. And when she has confidence, she's reminding everyone that she's definitely as dangerous as a lot of these players are. Yeah, 100%. And the uh, first time I saw her hitting the ball, I was like, whoa, okay, we've got something here. And uh, like you said, when she's healthy, when she's in shape, um, she's a great athlete, um, moves naturally um, incredibly well around the court. I think as far as a movement, I see a lot of similarities with actually Simona Halep. And what can I say? You know, whenever Darren decides to go with someone, yeah, it, it's calculated. It, it's going to be good. So, you know, having him in the corner, I had no doubt that she's going to do well. Yeah, it's great to see. Uh, I do think this is a tough matchup for her against Naomi. Uh, could be wrong, obviously, but it seems like it's strength for strength, and, you know, Naomi is the way she is. I think, I mean, I've wanted Naomi versus Barty for the last two years, stylistically, so maybe we get that. But, I mean, Georgie and Andy Smova are going to have something to say about it. Yeah, but um, like you said, I just feel like Naomi strikes the ball a little bit harder <laughs> for now than Andy Simova and has that experience of uh, there's nothing like, you know, coming back to a place that you won the previous year. And definitely Naomi has that momentum going for her. So, um, you know, if we are talking, say, three, four months from now, and if she co keeps uh, continue to work with Darren, it's going to be a different story on clay. I would put my money on Anisimova right away. But because it's Australian Open, I, I still go with Naomi. Another interesting thing about this tournament is that you know, we talked about the parity in the women's game and how many women can win it. There really hasn't been that many upsets in the first couple rounds. Now we might start seeing some moving and some shaking, but really haven't been any upsets big early. Kennan goes down to Keys, but the way Keys was playing, that's really not an upset to, to even consider. But are you surprised that, you know, there's just been a lot of handling of business from the top 30 or 40 or so? You know, I don't expect anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. The prediction. So, so... Uh... Also, you know, when you have a proper way to prepare uh, in your preseason, I think that's where it's going to favor um, the, the top players and the favorites because, you know, they just maybe do the things a little bit better than the rest in the preseason. And, you know, we haven't seen really that in the last two years because of the restrictions. So I think that's why we've seen so many more clean results compared to last year and, yep. you know, the, the quarantining and all that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you also have a chance to really, you know, spend some time down in Australia, work on parts of your game and, and make the necessary adjustments. Uh, Arena Sabalenka, somebody want to talk about, she came into this tournament with little to no confidence. I think it's fair to say on her serve, it was trending that way in the first match uh, against Storm Sanders, but she righted the ship. She, she survived. These gifts, are, for lack of a better term, that she's having on her serve, it's, it's hard to watch at times. We hope she corrects it, but just take me through the mind of a tennis player. Have you ever, whether it's serve or a, or a specific stroke, have you ever struggled with something where it's that mental block? And, and if so, what have you done to try to overcome it? 
Um, luckily, not to this degree. Uh, I did struggle when I was injured and coming back, even though, say, I had a stretch fracture on my foot. And even though it was healthy, I was so afraid to, you know, make the move to one side or the other. So you get really restricted and then mentally it's just so hard. So having this kind of uh, things in your game that you have to deal with, it's, I can't even imagine how hard it is. I, we, see, we see it in golf as well, when suddenly, you know, out of nowhere, you can't putt anymore. Mm. Um, and with tennis, I would say the, the thing where it gets always tricky is the serve. And it just takes so much time to get rid of those um, habits uh, and uh, it can get really frustrating. Obviously, it affects the rest of your game. You stop believing in yourself and you could just completely fall apart as a player. So you always feel so sorry when that happens mm -hmm. because it's almost like unfair. You do, you do all the training the same way. And yeah, sometimes these things happen out of nowhere and... It's, it's so important just to remain patient and, and, and hope that somehow, mm, you know, the player is going to figure out how yeah. to, how to do it. Yeah. She said she received a text from uh, Mark Philippoussis offering some support and advice. That's somebody with the serve that knows how to kind of give advice I I there. <laughs> yeah. I think we'd, we'd all be lucky enough to do that. Uh, well, I want to open the floor to you. I mean, there's so many players that are starting to play well, make moves. Who else has caught your eye that we haven't talked about so far in this tournament? Uh, is there any other player in the women's draw that you're looking at and saying, well, I'll keep an eye on her. There's, there's some good signs there. No, I think, um, I think we've covered it all. I, I like I said, I consider Naomi the biggest favorite Ash as well. Uh, and Anisimova. For... Dosa. I mean, she's kind of on the rise too. She's gotten into oh, yeah, the top yeah, 10. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, uh, I absolutely love her game. She's got so, so much variety, incredible fighter. Uh, never write off Muguruza in Australia. Mm -hmm. You know, she, she's been very close in the past. She loves the higher bounds um, and the conditions. So, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Badoza and Muguruza. Yeah, Badoza has uh, Marta Kostuk next. That could be a fun match. There's, there's uh, a lot of ups and downs in, in Marta's game. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to see uh, Iga Svantec back playing well. I mean, she's a top 10 player. There could be some stuff there. Also, kind of a throwback too to a player you played against. I mean, Victoria Azarenka wins two easier matchups. She's into the third round, and someone that's won this tournament twice is never lacking confidence. We know, no matter what, she's going to be a confident player out there. Yeah, that's true. With Vika, you know, she 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 has managed to keep the confidence levels always high up, which you got to admire for such a long time. And uh, what a what a great um, you know role model for the younger players and uh, how much she still loves the game and uh, it's incredible to still still see her see her around and like you said she knows what it takes to go all the way I think the question at her age is a little bit you know seven matches how she will be able to to recover um, so I mean yeah that's yeah, a good point never write her off, but um, physically. I think it's it's a lot for her to ask now to to go all the way in a slam. It's a good point. Uh, she's going to need to keep the uh, the score lines low. So she's done that yeah. so far. Not a lot of yes. long matches. It's also weird to say that Simona Halep is like under the radar. She's number is a fourteen C. No one's really talking about her. She seems healthy. I don't want to count her out because this is someone with a lot of second week in slam experiences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy to to write off Simona. She knows exactly how to be competitive and she loves the drama. If possible, she's going to make every single match last three hours and more in Melbourne. For some reason, she 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 enjoys torturing herself out yeah. there. But what a what a fun player to watch. And uh, I think she also enjoys that not being in the spotlight, not having not feeling that pressure. And, and she's in such a great point in her career where she can you know she's done so much so she can really just go yeah. out there and enjoy herself and um yeah there's no reason why she she can't uh think of you know winning pretty much in tournament she enters i also have to bring up to uh maria sakari the five seed is into the third round and uh had the highlight moment maybe of the crowd interaction of the tournament where they were chanting the eurovision song at her last night that the greek girl won in 2005 so tons of greek people tons of uh, greek fans in australia She's got a lot of power. She's probably in the best shape of any, you know, female tennis player right now. Uh, so we'll see. This could be her breakthrough as well. You know what? She She's such a great motivation for me because every time I go to the gym and I'm tired or whatever, then I, I just think kind of think of what she would do in the gym. I'm like, okay, I better <laughs> yeah, keep going and good. pushing myself. So, you know, she's done, I think, so well for people following tennis to 
to want to get out from the sofa and get to the gym. And um, she's a great role model in that way. And yeah, I was always jealous uh, for the Greek players, sweet, Swedish players, because it almost felt like playing a Fed Cup in Melbourne because the crowd is just like crazy how much they get behind behind uh, them in Melbourne. And yeah, with Maria, I, you know, physically there's no question she's the strongest girl um, out there. I think with her, it's more about the belief and she's been so close last year. And I think slowly she's getting there. Uh, obviously that uh, Roland Garros semis, it just shows that she has the level. Um, and I do hope it happens for her, but whether it's going to be Melbourne, it, it's, it's, it's tough, mm-hmm. uh, tough to say. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline couple more things with Danella Hantakova before we wrap this up here on Tennis Channel Insight. And I want to also give a, uh, a shout-out to another player from your era that is uh, about to call it a career. Sam Stozer, still alive, won her first match. It was a, it was a battle. She pays Pavlyuchenkova uh, later today. Uh, just your thoughts on you know Sam Stozer's career, another Australian that kind of carried the flag for her generation, wrapping it up and then calling it a career at home this year. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's incredible what Sam has done for not only Australian tennis and women, for women's tennis in general. It was an honor to play against her, with her in doubles. And I think I remember first time playing against Sam was actually in Melbourne, but I don't even want to mention the year because that's going to make me feel really, really, really old. Uh, I think it was her first slam, actually, and it was either first or second round. And the year was... Uh, well, I hope it was 2000-something. <laughs> Let's start there. But, um, yeah, it just shows, you know, how long she's been around for and uh, what an incredible career, both in singles and doubles. And, uh, yeah, she she's going to be missed big time. And, uh, and I just want to congratulate uh, congrat her on, on everything she, she's achieved. And more than anything, importantly, you know, she's such a humbled person and uh, really cool. Yeah, we don't we don't have to go over the uh, head to head either, uh, but you oh, know. No, 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 thank you. <laughs> but what you only met one time in a Grand Slam. It was that year in Melbourne, and, and you got that one. So, uh, no, it's it's been great. She's a U.S. Open champion. She's somebody that you know put the time in and and was one of the first people in this new twenty first uh, century of fitness and you know getting in shape and. Now, she was a very good player. It's tough to see her go. Well, uh, Danny, last thing before I let you go on the men's side, do you have any like? players you're looking at as favorites to make a run who do you think no Djokovic Nadal's still there he's the sixth seed Federer's not here we're missing some faces how do you see the men's draw shaking up oh I just I just would love for Rafa to go as deep as possible and Andy I mean Andy's mm. story is just <laughs> just yeah. crazy you know and when, when you think of couple couple months what is it couple couple years ago when he was trying to come back and everyone thought you know this is crazy and he's never be able to do that and then um and then you know seeing him do what he's doing is just uh breathtaking and uh, it was actually funny because i talked to him on my podcast when he was doing the recovery and he was just starting to train and come come back after the surgery and he says uh, you know danny one of the reasons why i'm doing this this is because I did those, you know, like body fat measurements and I was not happy with what I saw. So it's, you know, it's crazy to think that's, yeah. one, that's one of the reasons why you are able to put all that hard work in yeah. because you're not happy with your fed, body fat results. But um, yes, yeah, so it's been an incredible story, uh, obviously for Andy and let's hope he goes on uh, for as long as possible. Um, and yeah, the other obvious ones are, uh, of course, Daniel, Sasha Stefanos um really hard to pick yeah that next generation is going to be tough and how's that make the rest of us feel if Murray's not happy with what he sees that's that's not good uh no I 
I agree. I think seeing Murray and Rafa throw it back, the veterans, which is crazy to say the veterans on tour, but this could be that seminal moment where Mavidev is rare have win. They're the number one player in the world. It could be Mavidev going back to back on the hard, that, that Naomi double, that Naomi Osaka double, or we could see Zverev get his first. Zverev, if he wins, this is all that he's been missing. He's won Olympic gold, much masters, you know, him, Stefanos. It's a good time for men's tennis. I think this is a, a great opportunity, uh, and the crowd support should be uh, thorough throughout. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like once Sasha gets his first, it, it's going to be like the start of many, um, you know, because he just was missing that one one more step, actually one more, one more point. And um, yeah, like you said, with the Olympic gold medal and everything else he's won last year, um, this is what he really wants badly. So I think the sooner the, it happens for him, the more slams he's going to have behind his belt at the end of the day. Danella Hansakova, appreciate you coming on Tennis Channel Inside In. You're, you're welcome back anytime, obviously. Uh, good luck covering, covering tennis hosting your podcast, all your media stuff, and uh, playing golf. You'll, you'll find Danella on a uh, golf course near you, hopefully. But thank you again for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me, and I'll be back, I promise, as long as we keep it more to the golf. Uh, yeah, we'll do a golf breakdown. We're going to just we're gonna actually just watch you play around and break down the film. Perfect. But thank you so much for coming on the show. You're All right, huge thanks to Danella Hantikova for appearing on Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll monitor her golf game, but as always, you can catch her on TV, on social media, on podcasts, breaking down the game she played to the highest of high levels. Big thanks to her. Danella Hantikova, always welcome on the show. Now we're going to switch gears and talk about the men's draw with Pamela Maldonado. She's a Yahoo Sportsbook betting analyst. She's a big big football fanatic, big football professional, but she also loves and gives great knowledge and insight into the world of tennis. Specifically this time of year, the Australian Open is her sweet spot. It's in the wheelhouse for her, and she has a lot to break down. No Novak Djokovic, his quarter is wide open. Carlos Alcaraz, Pablo Carrena Busta, Matteo Berrettini, Corda Monfils, who can emerge from that area of the draw. She gives her strategy, her insights, what she's looking for, what kind of, you know, tidbit she looks when she's monitoring these matches as well. We talk about the pressures on Medvedev and Zverev as favorites, and of course why we cannot count out Rafael Nadal as he tries to break the tie with Federer and Djokovic, winning his 21st major, potentially here at the Australian Open. It's Pamela Maldonado from Yahoo Sportsbook on Tennis Channel Inside In, right now. Welcome to Tennis Channel Inside In. We're back on... Uh, the airwaves here it's australia time i had to bring in the expert matches are going all over the grounds in melbourne from yahoo sportsbook it's pamela maldonado who's back to being a tennis pam i think the hashtag was going on so welcome back to the show uh and uh, i hope you're getting some sleep out there because i know i'm not i'm not getting sleep i'm going on what four hours each night and then i wake up at 6 a.m i go to bed at two wake up at six get my day it's still football season waiting for that to be officially over so I can focus on tennis again. <laughs> yeah, I had to talk to you before I just deposited too much money into my account, you know, metaphorically, obviously, but there's a lot going on. Uh, and I know you're you're swamped right now with football as well. Uh, I do want to mention last time we chatted a couple months ago, ATP finals, we were going over some scenarios and you expertly said, hey, Zverev is like the value play here. He was the lowest mm -hmm. odds of uh, between Djokovic and Medvedev, had to beat both of them and he did won the ATP finals. So if anybody out there was listening to that advice and tried to act on it, they made a little money. Cash it. And now he's in a really prime position here to make another run at a final with Australian Open now that Djokovic is not in the mix. So he kind of owns, he controls his own destiny up at the top if he is able to get it done. He does. He definitely does. Uh, before we get too far involved, Pam, let's just kind of refresh, you know, explain again why this is your time of year, why this is your favorite tennis time of year, why this tournament specifically is the one you target, you enjoy, you uh, really go all in and you're always monitoring the odds and giving out that good advice. I absolutely love the Australian Open and say love is an understatement because it's just it's the only tournament out of the entire year that runs as pure as it should. And the reason for that is because you have players who are coming into this with fresh legs. They haven't been beaten up all year. They haven't, but they've had rest from the holiday season. They're coming into this, you know, with a couple of preseason pre major 
tournaments, but for the most part, they're hundred percent healed. They have no injuries. And if they are injured, they're not even in this tournament. So the players that are participating are coming in with as good a form as you can get and as healthy as they can be. So you have an opportunity here for tennis to actually work out as predicted. <laughs> and there's not really many major upsets. Um, the early rounds, you see the favorites win pretty comfortably in straight sets and four sets um, because they should be because the talent level, the gap talent level is not only there, but you have now the talent level mixed in with them being healthy. It just makes for a great betting opportunities to bet some of these heavier favorites, put them in money lane parlays and come out with the comfortable wins. Yeah, I think the, that's something you don't get throughout the year. That's true. And uh, like a couple of players we'll get to, you get to see the shortest off season in sports. There is still time to do work, to train, to work on parts of your game. This is the first time you're seeing it. So if you see it early, you can ride them basically the whole year because a lot of times the rankings don't really catch up all the way through. Uh, this is a good time to kind of pick up on those trends. On the men's, by, men's side specifically, which we're going to be talking about today, the best of five elements, I know it's just only, you know, the majors were all used to it, but it is still a little jarring at time to see these best of five matchups. I mean, we could go four or five, even longer hours into the night. Uh, there's already been double-digit five-set matches. We saw a super tie-break mm -hmm. last night between Corda and Mutet. So a lot of times it does just come down to the war of attrition whose fitness level is the best. Whose fitness level and the thing that people always, because you can't quantify it, is whose mindset is stronger because it is an best of five. It's not a best of three. You have to have not only the physical endurance, but you have to have the mental endurance to get through that match. And okay, you're down a break. Can you go ahead and bounce back? Okay, you lost the first set. Okay, you lost the second set. Who has that mental fortitude to go ahead and say, I'm going to play this all five sets and I'm going to come out with a win? There's not many players on tour like that. And you see it, you saw it last night with Mutet against Corda. Um, he threw his racket. He started like 20 like, times, <laughs> 20 times. It was into, he threw his racket into the ground, threw his racket into the wall. And uh, I mean, you may not think you can't quantify that. There's no stat that you can look to that says this player at this exact time, this is where he falters, but because you're watching the match, you can see the shift in, you can see the shift and you can feel comfortably to either take a live line or just know these players ahead of time that, okay, he is the better player and he has a stronger mind. I'm going to back him in a favorite. And if this comes down to the wire, I'm going to put my trust in him. And that's exactly what happened with Porta. I did want to mention, you know, different type of strategies and, and approaches you might have. Live is one of the ones that I think a lot of people are tuned into that match last night or any best of five match, say you're down a couple sets, maybe even facing match points. It's only a lot of times it is only one break. It's a huge break to get back. But is that something you're looking mm -hmm. at? Like I can get really good value, you know, three, four, five to one. It could be a top player down when all they have to do is just get that one game, get that one set back and it's going to completely flip. I don't really do live betting in tennis as much as I do for something like football, but it's, and if I do, it's because I'm looking at players that I know are, would be elite level. So mm -hmm. let's say Dominic team. Those are the players. Like if he, if Dominic Miss team him. gets down two sets, <laughs> I have such confidence yeah. that he's going to make this a five setter. Yeah. So I'm firing on him live. Somebody like mm -hmm. Novak Djokovic, how many times have we seen him drop two sets and he comes out with the outright win and then he just embarrasses his opponent in the fourth and fifth set. Yeah. Those are the types of players that I'm targeting. But if you have somebody like Sebastian Gorda, who is still kind of like up and coming, mm -hmm. um, he doesn't really have like a solidified weapon. Then those are the players that I don't necessarily want to look on the live line, but I'll stick to the, to whatever I, about them pre-flop, but I'm definitely focusing on the live line on the elite players who have shown that they can have that type of resilience that other opponents don't. Little poker reference there, pre-flop. I like that. We can kind of just bridge it all together. <laughs> um, yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. I also think it's it's unfortunate, but a lot of what you said is true and that the odds makers pick up on it. The only real value you get a lot of times on favorites like Nadal's Djokovic, Federer, Heyday, is if they fall down a set or so. Then you could kind of say, all right, we've got some more value there. Uh, in terms of other plays, were you heavy on the future markets going in? I know parlays, you hit one last night with Korda, Alcaraz, and, uh, and Hatchinoff's help, but... Is it match by match? Is it parlays, some futures? What other strategies are you looking at? I'm always going to have a futures because I feel like 
no other sport has as much of a dominance in something like a majors like tennis does. Yeah. And like I mentioned with Australian open, this is the f- best time to grab some of those features because of fresh legs, because of no injuries, because of fresh mindsets. And so, yeah, I do have a features on Medvedev to have two bets on him for him to reach the final at minus minus one twenty five, And then for him to win the tournament at plus one sixty five. And I made those even with Djokovic still in the lineup under the assumption that Djokovic would of course end up not being able to play in the tournament after all, which did come to fruition, but also just because um, I chose him regardless of whether Djokovic is playing or not, there's really not a huge gap between Djokovic and Medvedev right now. You can put them in 10 matches and more than likely it's going to be five and five because the talent gap is just shrinking and getting smaller and Djokovic as elite as he is, as wonderful as he is. Yes. He's my favorite and he's amazing, but Medvedev is right there and he can beat anybody any given day. And you can, you can see it in his matches where he's trying things. If he knows that it's a lesser opponent and he should win in straight sets, well then now he's going to try to add in like a drop shot or he's going to try to do like a slice. He's going to do things that he doesn't normally do because he's trying to get in some of those reps to prepare for the later stage of the tournament. So it's really great to see a player like that. And those are the players that I want to back and I'm comfortable putting my money on every single time. It's crazy too, that you said that uh, minus 125 to get to the final. It's just where we've come in tennis. It used to, you know, it used to only be reserved for the big three. And now he's mm-hmm. kind of crashed the party. The other guys have gotten older. I also think futures have a great value in terms of not just like you said, winning the tournament, making the final, winning your quarter even as another one. There's a lot of different there's a lot of different value ones out there. Going right into the unfortunate, you know, circumstances, Djokovic's not in the tournament, but that does open the market for a lot of other players. And that quarter specifically has one of your favorite players, has one of my favorite players, has a lot of different players that could make moves all the way down to it. It's completely wide open, but Oh, the floor is yours for the uh, 18-year-old Spaniard that has uh, just oh. captivated your game and will probably get a photo on your wall in the next six months. <laughs> so the title of this podcast is going to be How Pamela Loves Carlos Alcaraz, correct? Just making yeah, sure yeah, that's the title. For sure, okay. for sure. <laughs> as much as I love Djokovic, no, I'm absolutely so ecstatic to see Carlos Alcaraz. Um, the secret's out, and it reflects that in the odds. Like he's, I was hoping that he would be an underdog to Matteo Berrettini. He's the favorite. So it's not just me who's in love with him. The world's in love with him. The betting public is in love with him. And for a right reason, I did a post on Twitter in February of 2021, talking about watch out for this, this, uh, seven, 16 year old. He was 16, 16, 17 at the time. Yeah. I was like, watch out for Carlos Alcaraz Garfia. He is an amazing player. He just defeated Goffin in 57 minutes. Like this, he is going to go far in about two, three years. Well, here we are a year later and just look at the rate of progression that he's had. I mean, he's not only just young, but he's powerful. He has a high tennis IQ. He has a good shot shot selection, his ability to just like play full court tennis. He has a slice. He has a lob. He has great defense and he has well-time aggression. Like he has speed. He has the net game. Literally he has it all. He has a bag of tricks and you don't see that not only on the ATP tour, but you don't see that, especially from the next gen players, a player who can do it all. And he does it and he excels at it and he's getting better at it. So the only thing that I would say that he needs to fix is probably he needs a bigger serve, but that's going to come. Um, I believe in time, like he's, he's still only 18. Like what are we saying about him? Like, Oh, we're now finding the, the torques, the, the, the leaks in his game. It's going to come into it with more practice that he gets with more reps that he gets, but obviously he's bulked up a little bit and that's helping his power only be more that that much more powerful. Um, so I'm excited to see him. And I was, my prediction for him in this pre-tournament was that he would make a deep run, but that the expectation was that he would most likely be facing Djokovic in the quarterfinals. Well, now that Djokovic is not in the lineup, well, maybe who are we going to see him face? Mm. Um, I'm still interested in that potential matchup against Pablo Carreña Busta. That's going to be an interesting one. Um, you have a really great baseliner versus Alcaraz who can do it all. So who comes out on top? Yeah, that would be an all-Spanish matchup as well. Uh, yeah, a couple things. One, you mentioned it. Uh, he's in phenomenal shape. You can tell what he worked on in the last two months. Uh, the offseason was just bulking up. He's rocking the sleeveless fit, you know, and he's 
he's gotten himself into great shape. I think what impressed me, early round matchups, it's hard to really pick one thing because a lot of times the talent disparity is just a little different, but he actually mm-hmm. fights out there. Uh, the match against Lajevic last night, Lajevic is a solid player. He's made a Masters final in his career. But the third set was not Carlos's best game. He was down a break. He got it back and ended up winning in straight sets. So those are the little things I look forward to. He is a minus 175 favorite against Matteo Berrettini, and I just don't know about that. From a, I love his game, but I'm from a live betting standpoint, the values on Berrettini, a guy who's been playing great tennis for the last couple of years, is older, more advanced, and has such a big serve. I'm taking the rooting interest out of this, though. But as a betting, as, as someone that's into the game, you have to see the value in Berrettini there from from a consistency standpoint. So I was hoping that Alcaraz <laughs> yeah. would end up being an underdog. And as I mentioned, he's, as you mentioned, too, he's just yeah. now the favorite in minus 175. I would still back him. <laughs> so mm. I would take minus 175 on uh, by, as a solo bet or maybe reduce some of that juice by taking him in a parlay. But Alcaraz is the better player. Berrettini, he's a fantastic player, but hardcourt isn't his best surface. He's better on grass. He struggles on hard. And if you see his endurance, he should not have dropped a set in his last match. Like you're talking about, there's just two, the talent discrepancy between these two players at this moment is pretty major. Um, Berrettini is not in his best form as of late. As I mentioned, he got into a four setter with, uh, what's his name? Stefan Kozlov. That should not have happened. He shouldn't have dropped a set. This is the type of player that should be winning in straight sets. And yeah, he won pretty comfortably. What was it? 22 to 12 games, but still like that's a, the part of the mental mindset where I would put more confidence in Alcaraz to come out with the win because of his aggression. I mean, he's just, I would imagine, (laughs) Honestly, I haven't looked at the I haven't looked at the line. I don't even know what it is other than the than the money line. Yeah. But Carlos in four. Ooh, ooh, okay. Well, the only thing too I want to add for Berrettini is the last three majors he lost to the same player. You might have heard of him. It was Novak Djokovic. So he kept getting to a point and then you know beating who he should and then losing to the greatest player in the world. Um, I think it's going to be good. I, I love Alcaraz's game. I do think though that this is a guy with number one potential. I just think. You can even look historically at the all-time greats. It's going to take a couple years of rounding into form and winning a, probably a couple grand slams before he gets to the top spot. I think he'll get there. But at 18, it's, at 18, it's crazy to say that three, four years, 21, 22, when, he's, when I think he'll be in the mix, he won't even be peaking at that point. So this is going to be a steady progression that mm-hmm. we should all just sit back and enjoy. It is. Enjoy it, yes. Um, betting on Carlos is also really tough because we have seen him where – he can absolutely dominate his opponent 6-0 in the first set. And then all of a sudden he just flops in the second and he loses 6-2. Like mm-hmm. yeah. he's, there's just like such extremes with him right now. And I think it is because he's so young, but the love, but how, who he was even at the U S open, I was there. I, I saw him live and it was amazing. And I feel fortunate to have seen that and experienced that, but who he was in the last in so far in the Australian open is already just like a mile ahead of who he was at the U.S. Open. So that progression in such a short amount of time, I'm excited. And I think he will. I think he'll do very well against Berrettini. It's a matter of can Berrettini handle that type of aggression on a surface that's not his strongest. So does this go four or five sets? It definitely could, but I do feel confident that Alcaraz is going to come out with a win. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pamela Maldonado here on Tennis Channel Inside In. That's a good one in that top quarter. We've also got uh, another one. It's Pablo Acrina Busta is going to be taking on Corda. Pablo Acrina Busta hit one of the shots I've never seen before. He ran onto the other side of the net and got to the ball before it bounced twice, avoided the net. He's got some of the craziest moments uh, in the Australian Open. The one year he just threw his bag like 30 feet after a bad call. But he's keeping it going. He's another player that we can look at. Uh, a guy like Corda is in the mix as well. There's just so many fascinating storylines within that top quarter that I think we have Mm -hmm. to just kind of look at. And and really, you know, you'll find some value bets there as well. As far as like betting, 
you don't have to bet on everything. No, but it's <laughs> I fun too. Features, <laughs> I have my yeah. I have my features yeah. on on uh, Medvedev, and I'm happy with that. And I'm trying to find value in taking money line parlays is what I like to do. But I'm sticking to only like one each day. Because right now, the biggest factor that people maybe aren't considering is the wind factor. Mm, <laughs> if you saw the point. matches yesterday, yeah. it was really, really windy. And I definitely think that came into play with the quarter match and with other matches. The ones, the, well, the Felix, matches that are happening. Yeah. Felix match on uh, two nights ago when he played Rusevari, won five sets. And it was actually mm -hmm. a gutty performance by Felix. He usually gets a lot of points on his serve was not happening in that match. We had to grind out a win. And that's where you learn about these players. But also, like you said, maybe it's maybe take the over in total games because it's it's a battle out there. It's it's hard to control your serve mm -hmm. and that's a huge difference. Exactly. There was a few five set matches yesterday that probably would not have been five setters if it wasn't for the gust. Yesterday it was what 30 mile per hour gust mm. and it's not going to die down. I was looking at the weather radar and that wind is going to be sticking around for the duration of the tournament. So that's going to be the that's the unknown factor. You have some of these matches that are happening in the arenas. Those arenas are a little less affected because it's such an enclosed space. But for the majority of the matches that are on the side courts, like Cordes was, that wind definitely played a huge factor. And it's going to favor those with the heavy topspin. Those are going to be the players that are fine, but not every player has that type of game. The one-handed backhanders, those are going to be the ones that have trouble. Uh, servers with a high ball toss like Alexander Zverev, that could potentially be an issue. Um, are some of those serve demons, double yeah. faults issues that he used to have, is that going to come into play? We're going to find out today um, if that has any type of, um, if that can come back. But that wind... It's definitely something to monitor if you are betting some of these individual matches. And yeah, like taking the over is probably not a bad option here because of the difficulty. It's really hard to sustain that and win in straight sets. What do you think right now about Rafa's form through two rounds? He's been handling business. He's the third favorite behind Medvedev. It's Zverev. I see him at about plus 450 as of now to win the tournament. Still in the mix. Maybe not the co-favorite like he's been in the past, but... He handles business early. I think that's what we've seen from him year in, year out. It's when he gets to fourth round, quarterfinal, semifinal. Mm -hmm. That's when we, we still have our doubts about his health, his form, and what he can accomplish here. Well, the problem that we saw with Nadal last season in 2021 was what? His serving. Mm -hmm. It was when it was on, it was on. But then as soon as he had like maybe one double fault, the rest of his game just shattered afterward. And he would either end up in a five setter or he would lose the match outright because he just lost some of that confidence that we're so used to seeing it all have. And that was something that we're not used to seeing at all. As somebody as elite as a Rafa Nadal, the Spanish stallion lose confidence. <laughs> and it was because of that serve. And so for the first two matches of this tournament so far, his serve has been on like this is like remnants of like old school 2018 dominating Nadal except look at the opponents that he's facing yeah well so it's not it's not going to be easy now <laughs> it's it's you know exactly. starting with the next it's, match hatching off next and now it's it's really ramping up that's part of yeah, it that I wanted off. to talk to is like the the draw itself he doesn't mm -hmm. have a top four seat he doesn't have his own his own mm -hmm. section it's not going to be easy for him to do this anymore without having that seed protection it's a very difficult draw if you want to have Nadal, if you're holding Nadal futures. You do have Hachinov. Her catch ended up losing yesterday in straight sets, which is kind of surprising mm -hmm. to me. Um, Kratsev is still alive. It's still just like a very good draw. And then you still have to face Alexander Zverev if you end up making it that deep into the quarters. How good form, like he looks good now but he's also fa facing a much lesser caliber of player. It's going to get harder. It's going to get tougher. My question with Nadal is not of how good he can sustain his type of level of play, but I want to know, like, if he goes the distance, is he going to have legs after? Like, hard court is not Nadal's bread and butter. So can he win his quarter? Maybe, but he's going to be absolutely spent when he reaches the final, just because some of these matches are going to be going four or five sets. They are going to be taking a little bit longer. Um, Medvedev over Nadal in the final, unless Nadal is having a crazy serving spree. is <laughs> yeah. the only way that I could see him upset. But I just think with the draw that Medvedev has, it's a lot more, it's an easier path to the final. I wouldn't be surprised if Medvedev ended up not dropping a set, he's going to have a lot more fresh legs compared to Nadal, who's going to be facing some four multiple five setters, if he especially against Verev. So it's just a, the whole 
fitness factor comes into play here. Yeah, just what it would take to get to the final and then have to go against Medvedev, who's like a human backboard out there. And Nadal's <laughs> a very prideful guy, a fighter to the end. But he has left a lot of Australia's not feeling healthy, has gotten injured, retired in matches there. It's going to be tough. Mm -hmm. I just know that second, third round is my favorite time of a Grand Slam tournament, uh, third round specifically, but there's still a lot of good matches. Uh, Medvedev, who likes Verev, Pamela, if they win this tournament, they're going to be number one. Who knows what to expect with that guy? So it should be routine for Medvedev, but you can't count Kyrgios out in Australia where they, they absolutely love him. I've been getting messages of who are you going to take in this match? It's like betting the Super Bowl. You can't pick a side because this line is going to be so precise yeah. based off of like the books know that this is a high profile match. So this is where they're going to put their focus into. If there's no wind, if wind is not a factor, Medvedev should absolutely be good and maybe even win in straight sets. At the worst, I see him winning in four. But if there is wind, that actually does favor Nick Kyrgios. He has the spin forehand. He has a bigger serve. The matter with him is also if you're ever going to back him and even just from a fan perspective is does he care yeah. <laughs> we've seen Kyrgios more often than not where as soon as he starts throwing out those like entertainment shots the underhand forehands those that's when you know he's like oh well maybe he doesn't really want to win it he's just here for the entertainment factor but if he's coming into the net is what you need to beat Medvedev and that's where Nick Kyrgios is pretty comfortable at. He's a, he has a great net game. The key for him is going to be a return of serve plus his fitness. He hasn't been in the best of shape over the last year, the last couple of years of his career. How many multiple times have you heard him say, well, I'm probably just going to retire. Oh, I'm not at the level of fitness that I'd like to be. But then he shows up for these high profile matches, almost upsets Dominic team in one of like the most thrilling matches of 2021 after not being in shape for so long. So it's just a matter of, is he interested? Yeah. <laughs> type of he's not in great shape because he's not playing tennis. Like he only plays a couple matches a year, it seems. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing too to point out is that that matches on Rod Laver Arena. Obviously, Medvedev's a top seeded player remaining. Kyrgios doesn't like that. He likes the small courts. He likes the rock star atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So I remember the one year he played Nadal, he was upset. It's like on Rod Laver. It's like you're playing Rafael Nadal at a Grand Slam. It's going to be on a main court. Uh, but no, that's, that's a good mm -hmm. point there. You brought up flashbacks with that team match, one of the gutsiest performance, overcoming the crowd, overcoming two sets down to win. Definitely miss him. Definitely miss Delpo and the other players that aren't in this tournament and guys that we want to see back on tour. Kyrgios literally beat up Dominic team in that match team came out with the win, but we haven't really seen him play since yeah. <laughs> because he literally gave everything he had for that match. As you mentioned, he had to overcome not only his opponent in Kyrgios, but he also had to overcome the Australian crowd. And it was such a great match to watch. It was thrilling. It was exciting. It gave you everything that you wanted from elite level of play and then he's been like just injured ever since and hasn't been able to recuperate. So yeah, he's definitely one of the players that I absolutely miss. Um, I would love to see Juan Martin del Potro come back. Mm. There's just so many players who are not in the mix right now. You have Milos Roundage. It took me a while to even realize like, oh my gosh, like Roundage isn't even here right now. And I had to do a Google search. Oh, he's has a heel injury. And then Warinka, he's been trying to get back into it. And you see him, I follow him on Instagram and he's, uh, he's posting these videos of the workouts that he's trying to do to get back into it and then there's another draw uh, another back uh, another problem and then roger Federer, who knows what's happening with him mm -hmm. even kenny shikori like yeah. he's maybe not on the same elite level as some of these players but he is still a player that i love that i enjoy watching and he's not on tour right now from injury and it's a shame um the game tennis is a brutal sport it is a brutal sport on the body it, they put in a lot of miles and this is why i like betting this goes back to why i like betting the australian open when players have a greater chance of not risking injury. Now, as you progress into the season, this is why it's so hard to win the U.S. Open because yeah. it's the end of the season where you do have some of those injuries, where you have put on miles and miles and miles on court. It all piles up and it's hard. Last thing, Pamela Maldonado from Yahoo Sportsbook. Uh, I know you've got your futures out there. I know we've got players that we expect to see, but are there any other guys that you think, okay, you see good value there for making a run at this tournament? Because as I mentioned, we have three we have three clear favorites. Sitsipas isn't in there. Maybe it was because of the elbow. Monfils is playing well. 
has an open opportunity. Some of those Canadian tennis players are doing well. Achinoff as well. Anybody else you see is value to maybe not win, but make a run, get deep, and you know take advantage of the wide open draw. I would put a small features just because this is not biased. Okay, <laughs> I would put biased. a small features on Alcaraz to win his quarter. He has a really great chance here. I think it's going to go the distance. If he faces Monfils, it's going to go the distance there. I think he can get through Busta. Um, it's just a matter of can he get through Zverev? And I would feel pretty comfortable having an Alcaraz long shot to win that part of the draw and him face Zverev in the semifinals. Um, I think that could be a likely scenario. But as far as futures to win, I'm still sticking with Medvedev. I think you can still probably even get him at plus money value. That's still value. Um, anything at plus money, if you can get Medvedev to win the Australian Open, I would still take. And I mean, Nadal, are we just like discounting him? I know we talk about how tough of a draw it is, but yeah, you can't discount. You him. never know. You can't discount him. <laughs> what if this is the year of Nadal in 2022 is when we see him yeah. make all the run, the deep runs. Yeah, just my couple thoughts are I do think it's kind of shocking that the Sitsipas number is so low. I know he's battled some stuff, but this is a perennial top five player for a couple of years. Um, I think Rublev to you know, make a run and get to that quarterfinal matchup with his country mate Medvedev could be interesting. We haven't talked about Andy Murray. I don't know how far he goes, but I'm just going to appreciate mm. what he's doing and how much he fights out there. I do think it ends against Yannick Sinner, though, because he's someone we didn't talk about that I think is on the rise, on the way up, and he's another guy that's super young as well. So that's another one. I'm really glad that you mentioned Andy Murray because I actually do have the features on him. It was a smaller wager, which is why I forgot about yeah. it, but it's a smaller yeah. 12 to one on Murray to win his quarter. And I think it is pretty favorable considering, but I mean, you can't, I'm happy to have him as a long shot for him to win his quarter. I'm not necessarily in, interested in getting involved by match to match. It's more of a sit and watch type yeah. of scenario with Murray. Be a fan because, yeah, you're talking about the stride that he's made. And, you know, he made the final in Sydney. He had a five-setter against Bazilashvili. So my question for him is, does he have the legs? <laughs> does he yeah. have the fitness? That's always been the problem with him. It's coming back from injury after so long. It Does he have the fitness to sustain the type of level that he wants to play for five sets throughout and win that's the big question but he's absolutely putting in a great effort climbing back up the rankings he's getting deeper in tournaments he's making he's defeating some of these like bigger high level caliber of opponent i think we have a chance here to see murray win a major here in the next couple of years if he has no injuries he absolutely mm. can do it and he's my long he's my cinderella story to make a comeback and get back into the top three that would be one of the greatest cinderella stories in sports i think if he did that um and the guy's doing it with a metal hip as well i mean he can't <laughs> he know. literally can't walk through airport security without setting off the machine that's where can that's we where we all at. get a metal hip? <laughs> if, right. if, if, if it's making you be yeah. that good like i would sign me up <laughs> yeah the, the last the last thing i want to do i want to flip it on you from the first time we chatted and we wrapped it up was if you're going to better win the quarter, I don't have a quarter. I don't have the number in front of me, but I think there's good value in Gail Monfils because of the draw, because he mm -hmm. has that open Djokovic one to get to the quarterfinal. It's the easiest path, I think, of any of these top players. And then it's one tough match, Alcaraz, Berrettini, quarter, whoever, PCB. So I think value-wise, that might be one to play because his road there will probably have less miles. And he's a frustrating player. He's a fun player to watch, oh, super yes. athletic. And if it's Alcaraz the first time recorder, if it's Berrettini, it's not fun playing against Gail Monfils. It's fun watching him, though. It won't be Berrettini. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm confident there. in saying that. Yeah. I would love to see Alcaraz and Monfils. I am telling you right now, if that is the matchup that we get, over. it's going to be an absolute, take the over yeah. and it's going to be an absolute classic. We haven't seen a classic match in a while. It's been, I would say the last one for me has probably been, team and Kyrgios from last year and then everything else has been it's been good but that was that was fantastic and I think this has the opportunity to be exactly that um both players just cover the court so well and that's going to be a fun one so I'm hoping that it's Alcaraz and Monfis of which take a features on both of them to win their quarter because there's value in both yeah I would say you, you don't want to say classics Vera Djokovic at the open last year that semifinal that won five sets I know it didn't end well kind of faded away but for the first four sets it was pretty classic it wasn't it wasn't it's not even Djokovic's top five 
Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was exciting yeah, and it, it was exciting and it was thrilling and he got through it and it was, but it was still brutal to watch. And it was only fun to watch because of what towards the end was it the fifth set that became exciting, but it was kind of hard to watch. It's not his top five. No. Uh, I, I, that's fair, but he's also Novak Djokovic, which he's by all, the way, he his has best, many, <laughs> his best match ever, I think we're at the 10 year anniversary of it. Just about it. it for me, it's yeah. that Nadal Djokovic AO final where it was, they played six hours, five sets. They didn't go to a tie break. I don't think if they did, it was very like, it was insane. The longest rallies would, I've ever seen. I would have to say my favorite one in, of recent years would probably be Djokovic versus Federer in Wimbledon final. Uh, what was that? 2019? 2019. 2019. Oh my God. That one, that one was mm-hmm. one of the best matches I've seen like of my time of watching tennis over the last 10, 15 years. That was one of the most thrilling, remarkable, just like the level of elite play that you got from both players. And that's what I love about the big three is that you always talk about who's the goat in tennis. Oh, Djokovic, because he has all these titles. What I love about the, these three players, Federer, Nadal and Djokovic is they're all the goat and they make each other the goat is every yes. time Djokovic wins a tournament, Nadal steps up his game and then it forces Federer to step up his game. And he, look at him. He's a father time is catching up, but he's still been able to evolve his game to be able to hang with some of these elite players. And maybe he's not there at this exact moment, but he has been And that right. match against, uh, against Djokovic in the Wimbledon final is a clear testament to that. Yeah. So that's what I love about the big three. They each make each other better and us fans are just the benefactor of it. The reason why they're all still playing is probably because <laughs> of each other and pushing each other to go further and they reach another level in matches. Like Every you can watch time. you can watch a Grand Slam lead up and you can see Djokovic's level like a couple years ago when he ended up beating Nadal in the final. He is going to get to that next gear against Rafa because he has to and that's that's the thing where you can't the level is just it's Shapovalov said something like these guys out there. It's an insane level. This is a top 10 player saying I still have a lot farther to go to get to this level. It's it's rarefied air to say the least. And uh, it's just mm-hmm. been a pleasure to watch. But we'll see. Maybe this is the year we crown a new champion. Medvedevers, Varev, Starterain, or Alcaraz, your voice. So it's going to be fun. I can't wait to see it. Pamela Maldonado, thank you for coming on Tennis Channel Insight and Pleasure chatting with you. Had to get the expert on. I know you're going to win all the listeners some money, but uh, always a pleasure talking tennis with you. Hope to do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That is going to do it for this week's episode of Tennis Channel Inside In. Big thanks again to both Danella Hantakova and Pamela Maldonado for breaking down tennis and getting us properly prepared to enjoy an exciting Australian Open. You can catch every episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com slash podcast. That's where all the episodes live in addition to all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can find every single show in our catalog just by going to tennis.com slash podcasts. My name is Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week as the Australian Open rolls along.